What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Hoops Corner. I'm your host, Peter Trend, and on the line, our residential medical expert, our banger in the paint, Rajan Walia. How you feeling? You know what, Peter? Given this time of the year, I'm uh, nursing a few injuries, so uh, <laughs> I'm uh, just trying to make it through the NBA playoffs. Dude, you and apparently like 20 other stars in the league, man. It's not alone. This is a this is a strange year. Obviously, we're talking we're talking on Wednesday afternoon, right after Game Four, where uh, Giannis went down with a hyperextended knee. I'm assuming. Yo, okay, tell me this: when you when they say a hyperextension, it's uh, like obviously when the like the ligament goes backwards, right, or the joint goes backwards. What is like what's yeah. the actual injury? It's not a hyperextension because a hyperextension is like the act that creates the injury, right? Yeah, so that's the mechanism of injury. And like generally when you don't have uh, a diagnostic test, you can't speculate on the injury. So you talk about the mechanism of injury. So if you see ankle injuries, sometimes they're called inversion injuries. So it's like when you're like the bottom part of your foot like goes inside. So it goes like this. Yeah. Uh, that's called an inversion injury. And generally speaking, with different types of mechanism of injuries, there's usually correlated injuries like... With a with a ankle inversion, you get a torn ligaments on the outside part of your ankle. Mm. With a hyperextended knee, you usually get damage to the posterior cruciate ligament. So there's a it, it just kind of gives you a little hint of what you think the injury may be based off of the mechanism. But the MRI will tell us all in a couple hours. Yeah, so we're waiting for the MRI on Wednesday afternoon. And exactly. Like I don't know, man. This could be really tough for the Bucks, right? Like this. It was kind of open for them to sort of just waltz their way into the finals. Trey Young is out, obviously after stepping on the ref's foot, out with a bro uh, with a bone bruise on his foot, and you know the Hawks stomped him. But you know we'll talk about that after. The Suns are obviously reeling. Chris Paul still like looks kind of hurt, kind of not. Devin Booker has a broken nose, still learning how to play with his mask. And the Clippers don't have Kawhi Leonard, obviously finals two-time Finals MVP, best player on the team. Who really needs them? Because they have apparently Paul George and Reggie Jackson, who's the best guard in the league. You right mean now. Reggie Jackson and Paul but George in that I, order? My bad. My that's my fault. <laughs> that's my fault. But my whole point is that you know the the Bucks had like had that laneway to the finals, right? Like they were pretty healthy going down. The real injury was to White Dante, my favorite player. Not really, but White Dante is the only guy who got hurt, right? He's obviously out for the playoffs. But that was it. You know, I'd take one injury to a role player above an injury to any of my star players any day. Not saying I want injuries, not saying it's good, but if you have to choose, that's what's going to happen, right? And now with this Giannis injury, it just adds to, you know, a pile of other stars who got hurt this year. We're looking at guys like Kyrie Irving, twists his ankle in the playoffs, Jalen Brown with his wrist injury prior to the playoffs. We already talked about Trey Young. Devin Booker obviously got his uh, nose caved in by Patrick Beverly's head. Chris Paul ran into his own teammate and uh, what, what was it? We had a zinger, uh, stinger in his stinger. shoulder. Yeah, stinger, stinger. My bad. Kawhi Leonard with the knee injury. Obviously, he's been so excited during these games. And Joel Embiid <laughs> with his minute torn meniscus, whatever the hell that means after a crazy pump fake move. And then on top of that, you got like soft tissue, soft tissue injuries, Raj. Anthony Davis, James Harden, Mike Conley, all with like growing or hamstring strains. Dude, what the hell? <laughs> are we are we looking at too many games this year? Are we just looking at guys, you know, pressing their luck with the amount of minutes they're playing? I mean, 
I don't even know how how else to ask this, but like, what, what like, where do we go? How do how do the Bucks deal with this kind of injury to like their guy? Yeah, well, I, I think obviously with the Bucks, without having Giannis, uh, defensive player of the year and MVP in the past, um, they're not going to go very far. Um, but kind of talking about the bigger theme, like you mentioned with injuries. I know LeBron came out with his series of tweets kind of saying like, hey, if you push us all these games and this is what happens and we need to cut back on the number of games and let players rest and so forth. I I, kind of look at most of the injuries that have happened, um, especially like if we're looking at like a a Trey Young, a Giannis, even Devin Booker, Chris Paul, like those are contact injuries. And I, I don't think having an extra day of rest would have prevented Devin Booker's nose from potentially being broken uh, chris paul just had an awkward movement with his neck it had nothing to do with oh he's played 35 minutes two nights back to back like uh and then obviously Giannis, like he yeah. just went up for a block we've probably seen him do that like five or six times uh that game itself and it's just unlucky um so I, i'm not a big believer in the the number of games played in a short amount of time I think the one thing that ends up happening is all these coaches in the playoffs are playing their guys more minutes. More minutes means more playing time, more chances of injuries. Like that's the reality of the situation. And these players are pushing themselves to the limit. It's not like the regular season. Like, oh no, you know what? I, I like they obviously want to win, but they're not going to put their bodies on the line. Um, but I do agree with James Harden, Mike Connolly, and even Anthony Davis. Like those soft tissue injuries are usually like a, a wear and tear that definitely can be related, but come on, give me a break, LeBron. Um, I, I think a lot of these injuries are just players playing hard, and you, you can't. You want the players to play, and I think it's a damn shame that it's happening this year to so many players. But I think next year will happen again, and the year after, it's just it's happening to the star players this time. Oh, I forgot to mention LeBron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Guy. Had Solomon Hill dive at his ankles. I, I yeah, again, if, if, if LeBron, oh, if they played man. less games or whatnot, it, it it doesn't really make a difference that someone fell on your ankle and you had actually, he had an eversion type injury, which is quite a bit different. It actually takes a lot longer to heal. Is uh is eversion more likely to like lead towards a high ankle sprain? I guess, or like, uh, it really depends on the mechanism, but yeah, like, uh, generally speaking, if you have a pressure like uh, on your ankle that causes uh, the ligaments between your tibia and fibula to be like kind of compressed and under strain, you're more likely to get a, a, a sprain, so or even uh, a torn uh, ankle ligament. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think the injuries are a damn shame, but again, if this was Bobby Portis that had the hyperextended knee. Right, I don't think people would be up in arms. Like, it'd be like, "Oh no, another role player." Or if it was, yeah. let's say, Lou Will that stepped on another the referee's ankle. Like, yeah, Lou Will's great off the bench, but we wouldn't be talking about it like if it was Trey. It's just this year, it's happening to all the stars, and um, it gives ESPN a lot less content to talk about. <laughs> so that's why we got to talk about Reggie Jackson and Nick Batum all the time. <laughs> hey, hey, some people aren't complaining about that. Damn. Hey, man. I'll talk about Nicholas Batum all day, <laughs> but before we get to before we get to that series, let's talk about this. I don't know. I don't know how else to describe this, but this this god awful performance by the Milwaukee Bucks going into Game Four, uh, Game Four. You expect them to, you know, come out strong, right? Trey Young is out. You know, that's that's their heart and soul of the team, right? Like that's their leader. That's a guy who's shimmying on the Bucks in Game One. 
you would expect Milwaukee to come in and be like, all right, let's just take these guys out. Killer instinct, step on their throat. All those cliches, right? You just go out there and you crush them from the very get-go. Lou Will can't play defense, let's kill him. And they proceeded to lay an absolute stinker. Uh, Bogdanovich had 20, Lou Will had 21. Shooting efficiently. Lou Williams efficient in the playoffs is not something that you see very often. Kevin Herter killed them. And your boy Cam Reddish came back from injury. And played only 23 minutes. But those 23 minutes, he locked Chris Middleton's ass down. Like, there was... There was, there's no other way to say it. You you saw the heart from this Atlanta team. And Milwaukee, on the other hand, was that classic case of taking their opponent too lightly. They thought they could chill. I get it. Giannis' injury, biggest story of the game. That's fine. We all understand how significant it is. But, I mean, the Bucks were getting crushed from the very get-go of this game and then to the very last second. Like, they had... Even when Giannis went down, they were down 10. 10 points. Double digits, still. Midway through the third. They they say they were going on a run, but hey man, I saw Atlanta just pushing back every damn time. Yeah, and, and ultimately like I if Milwaukee's saying like the Giannis injury played a huge part, like I think that just speaks volumes to Milwaukee's aspirations. Like, yes, Giannis is your best player and helps so much on both sides of the ball, but like Atlanta's missing Trey Young, who has a relatively equal impact for his Hawks. And um the, the I think like you mentioned, the frustrating thing is I think if Atlanta had played with Trey Young, Milwaukee would have been more prepared. But it, it just shows to their lack of kind of good. Yeah, it, it shows to the lack of good uh, coaching, getting the guys ready, because that's on the coaches. You know, like um, it, it's really getting them in a position to win the game. And we, we talk about Trey Young, obviously not playing, but even their arguably second or third best player and John Collins had a stinker of a game on the stat sheet. But overall, like, like they still won by what twenty two points, and uh, like honestly, this this is I think this is all on Bud, and everyone was talking no, and and <laughs> and I think it's kind of the same thing we saw with Casey. Like uh, Casey had one deep run in the playoffs early on and got beat by a, a better LeBron team, and then the subsequent year, or sorry, initially he couldn't even get out of the first round or second round, and eventually they made it to the Eastern Conference Final, and people were like, okay, you know what, we lost to LeBron, that's expected. But then the subsequent years, they were just never able to make any adjustments. It was like watching the same movie every year in May, year in, year out, same thing with the Bucks. Like, this is the same problem, and I don't think Bud's job is as secured now after this loss than it was if they had lost against the Nets. Like I think he's in equally big trouble, and I I personally think if the Net uh, the Bucks ever want to win a championship, Bud has to go. Like it's he's reached his plateau. Uh, he should probably go to Orlando. He can probably get them to a playoff seed, and that's a win for them. And um, I personally think Bud is really to blame here. And obviously, we can uh, share some blame for Chris Middleton who depending on the day of the week, decides to show up or uh, disappear. Chris Middleton shows up probably like once a series, maybe twice. And everyone remembers that once or twice se- like a game series, right? But realistically, man, that guy, he leaves some stinkers in the playoffs. He went uh, 6 for 17, 0 for 7 from 3 yesterday. I mean, Drew Holiday, not much better. Also 6 of 17 from the field, 2 of 7 from the 3. Right, like this team just didn't, they just didn't show up. It's really sad because, you know, if they had gone up 3-1, you 
no trade, he wouldn't probably wouldn't have come back for game five afterwards. But now that it's tied, I mean, it's pretty crazy. Um, towards the end of the game, we saw Clint Capella go down with. I don't know. This is this is a little wild to me. He got elbowed in the eye going after an offensive rebound when they were up twenty two, with three and a half minutes left. Who elbowed him in the eye? Sam Merrill. I don't even know if I'm saying this dude's name right. Like, what the hell are the Hawks starters doing in the game that late? Right? You're up 22. The Bucks have already put in their bench. There's absolutely no reason for you to have guys like Clint Capella or John Collins on the floor. No reason whatsoever. And, you know, Nate McMillan still had his starters out there. I, I don't really understand why, but... I expect to see Capella wearing that Zorro mask next time, next game. Yeah, I, I think Clint Capella will play, but yeah, like uh, there's one thing of stepping on their throats and keeping the momentum going, and it's another thing of putting your players who have probably played a lot more minutes than you ever expected them going into the playoffs. Like obviously this Atlanta Hawk team wasn't expected to make this deep of a run. You got to keep your guys fresh, and especially when Trey Young, we don't know his status for Game Five. You would want John Collins and Clint Capella to have as much rest uh, going into an important Game Five. So, um, uh, honestly, this one, that one's again Nate McMillan scratching my head. But hey, I think Clint Capella is going to be fine. They dodged a bullet, and uh, I don't know who do you have in Game Five with uh, Giannis very, very likely going to miss Game Five. What do you see happening? Honestly, I think we have a Chris Middleton game again, <laughs> despite having just shat on him for a while. Uh, it doesn't sound like Giannis... Like, you don't expect Giannis to play in Game 5, right? On, Not after that. Honestly, kind of I think there's like a 20% chance he plays. Again, I don't think he has... A, I personally don't think he has a, an ACL injury, um, but uh, it, it's possible that he does, but uh, we'll see. Um and I, I think Trey Young has a much better chance in playing Game 5. And if Trey Young plays, I think uh, the Hawks, they're young, they're, um, they're firing, they're getting Cam Reddish back, like they have more weapons. And you know what's going to happen? I think Milwaukee's going to look at themselves and be like, how the hell did we lose Game 4? And that's going to be on their minds. And I don't think Bud's going to do a great job of getting that off their minds. Atlanta's playing with house money, right? Milwaukee has all the pressure on them. They have, obviously, the two-time MVP, Defensive Player of the Year. They brought in P.J. Tucker and Drew Holiday. They have big max contracts on this team. You know, they, like, they're at that point in their careers where they should be winning playoff games and should be winning titles. On the other hand, you have the Hawks, who, like, no one expected them to be here this far. No one expected Trey Young. Trey Young didn't even make the All-Star game this year, right? Like, that's how bad this team was to start the year. They switched coaches. Nate, Nate McMillan is an interim right now. He's not even secured for next year. So the Hawks have no pressure on them whatsoever. I mean, it'd be a great story if they went to the finals. It'd be kind of wild. And I'm kind of in on it. Just so I can hear a lot, all this like Luka Doncic slander. Because you know that it's going to come up. Trey Young traded for Luka. Whoever said that that trade was, was so good for Dallas. They didn't see what happened here. I'm kind of here for it. You know, it wouldn't be bad. And also, like, a low-key story. Bogdan Bogdanovich going to the Hawks and playing them and playing the Bucks in the in the Eastern Conference Finals is just hilarious. Like, having having said that they commit or he committed to the Bucks during the summer and then having it all turned around on them, it's, 
it's poetic justice. Yeah, he you know? he would have been the piece that made Milwaukee the best team in the East. Uh, and also, just speaking of Bogdanovich, he didn't put up like killer, like a forty point game, but he was efficient. Um, he was good on the offensive end in terms of getting timely baskets to really kind of slow down any run the Bucks were getting. And ultimately, I think the the big thing for him is like he went from Sacramento to potentially making the NBA Finals. <laughs> and if that doesn't speak volumes to Sacramento's organization, I don't know what will. Yeah, I don't think we can go a full episode or two without talking <laughs> shit about Sacramento or Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. <laughs> it's just part of this culture here. Oh, man. So you like the Hawks, eh? Do you like them to come out of this series? That's you know the real what, pending question. the MRI and... Like, who's going to yeah, win this series? Pending the MRI. I think that's the question. I, I personally don't think the, the what's probably going to end up happening, in my opinion, uh, Giannis's MRI will come back with maybe like a, a PCL injury and he could come back in like a, a, a week or two, um, maybe. But uh, I don't think they, they have much to play for in that sense. And I think the Hawks will win game five and six. And uh, I think Trey Young will be back. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Damn. Oh, my goodness. I don't even. I don't know, man. I don't know if I can go against the Bucks. Like, Solomon Hill isn't exactly the veteran leadership I expect out of the Hawks. You never know. But that being said, you know, Lou Williams, Clint Capella's been like to. To multiple playoff runs with the Rockets. DeMille Gallinari's there. Tony Snell is still on the bench. Ah, I don't, I don't know, man. This is a, this is a tough decision. If I had to choose, I, uh, give okay. me the Hawks. All right, I like give that. I Hawks. like that. Let me go chaos, man. I want to go chaos. I want to see, like, Lou Williams and campaign just going one-on-one <laughs> all finals long. Yo, you know let's talk saying? about the West because it might not be campaign. Oh, man, I hope it is. So, okay, let's go into this. Let's go into Tuesday night. Yeah, Tuesday. Monday Monday night. Monday night. Monday night. My bad. Vita Zubac is declared out of the game. He's on MCL strain. You're not going to push an MCL strain. That's just silly, right? No matter how young you are, how far into the playoffs you are, you don't push that kind of thing. So Zubac is out, and immediately alarms go off. You know, everyone is just thinking DeAndre Ayton's had an incredible playoff run. You, you just pound the paint with this guy. You run all your pick and roll with him. He just crushes inside, gets all, all the offensive rebounds. And then they go to the finals, right? Like, the, the trajectory is perfect. The storyline is right there for them. Chris Paul finally makes the playoffs, or uh, finally makes the finals, beating the Clippers, who he spent so much time with. He's still the leading points and assists, like, franchise leader for that team. Mm-hmm. Right? So Chris Paul's history with the Clippers is so huge. That would just be so perfect, this storyline. And what did they do? They just did not run anything for DeAndre Ayton. They they had Ayton covering Mon, uh, Marcus Morris Sr., our favorite senior in the league. And my man just could not get out to the perimeter on defense. Morris shot the lights out in Game 5. Up 3-1 in full adversity. Another Ty Lue team wins in an elimination match. Ty Lue is now 10-2 and two in elimination games. And this Clippers team just... I don't know how else to describe it. They just showed up. They they played great defense. They didn't mess around. Reggie Jackson is apparently the best point guard in the league. Looks like it. 
Goodbye, Steph Curry. Goodbye, Kyrie Irving. Goodbye, Dame Lillard. We're looking at Reggie Jackson these days. And on the other hand, the Suns just couldn't hit anything. Right? Like, they they didn't involve Aiden whatsoever. It was basically just Chris Paul and Devin Booker ISO for a lot of the game. Even when they tried to run pick and roll, there was no movement beforehand. Right? Like, usually you want to run, like, a DHO, come back, you know, get some movement. Get, some, get the defense thinking a bit. But this team did nothing. Like it was so stagnant, this offense, and they just chilled. It was it was so frustrating to watch them underutilizing DeAndre Ayton like this. Yeah, I think like you hit the the nail right on the head. Like I think especially in the modern day NBA, the big players, the the bigs, the centers, the the more dominant power forwards, um, they a don't get the ball enough to really punish the other team, or b they're not good enough. Uh, to punish the other team and take advantage of mismatches. And we saw that especially with Rudy Gobert uh, against the Clippers. Like there was no one on the Clippers that was really his size that could guard him. But I think Rudy just didn't have the moves to to punish um, the Clippers. And I, I think the opposite is kind of happening with Aiden. I think Aiden can punish the Clippers inside, but uh, they're struggling to get him the ball. He hasn't shot a big volume. And like you mentioned, without Zubac, and if, the Clippers are really expecting like a combination of Batum and Morris to guard Aiton. You got to give him at least 15 shots because DeAndre is shooting like 50 or 60% for the playoffs. I think even higher. Um, yeah. And so like he, he gets you good looks at the basket and um, ultimately the Clippers small lineup with whatever combination of man, Jackson, Morris, Beverly, George, Batum, um Kawhi like whenever they play those lineups they're hard to beat they punished uh the Mavs with that especially late in uh the series the Utah they were just all over the one they played small uh and again Phoenix as well um I think what what's going to really be the deciding factor is how well um uh, Phoenix can shoot the three that's it's going to be it because the Clippers have shown throughout these playoffs that they can shoot 40 percent from three as a team and if the Suns can't shoot closer to 35%, I think they're doomed. I actually do think they're doomed, even being up 3-1. I mean, it's it's going to be tough, but you know we've seen a lot of 3-1 comebacks lately, so it wouldn't even be that that staggering, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's not like it used to be where 3-1 was like, oh, once in a decade, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the Nuggets did it twice last year. Yeah. Who cares? What's so big of a 3-1 nowadays? <laughs> Apparently, I guess. Um, DeAndre Ayton is shooting 70% from the field in the playoffs. Averaging 16.2 and 11.4 rebounds. Like, this guy is having an incredible series, or an incredible run in the playoffs, and we saw it. Like, round one goes against Anthony Davis, crushes it, Mm -hmm. right? Even when, well, I guess not even when, but when AD went down, there was no slowing down. Like, Aiden just kept pounding the paint. Against the Nuggets, he did the same thing. He played Nikola Jokic the best that, I've seen any big man play him in a long time, right? And we like we saw Yusuf Nurkic go against uh, Jokic in the first round. Nurkic supposed to be a great defender, got worked. John Drayton, just a big body, just stood his ground the mm-hmm. whole time. It's so simple that, you know, all the Clippers really need to do is run like a, a Chris Paul pick and roll with a guy, maybe run a couple of DHOs before, just get some movement. Yeah, And like you were talking about getting... Bridges and Crowder involved with the offense, getting them to shoot threes. They can't really shoot threes if there's no movement, right? Like, you can't just plant guys in the corner and expect the defense to rotate like that all the time because the Clippers are waiting mm-hmm. for it, 
right? Like, if you go back and watch some of the tape, they were just chilling in the corners. You want to run pick and roll? Sure. We'll just play a two-man game with you the whole time. Marcus Moore is a big body. Yeah. Right? Like, he can... He's not as strong as Aiden. He's not as tall, but he can body up. He's not. He's not tiny. Yeah, like he, so of course they're just gonna yeah, wait like on he can him. hold up. And and but again, I think the the key for the Suns to win the series is especially if they run pick and roll with uh, Paul and Aiden is to get Aiden the ball as he's rolling, right? And and that's on Chris Paul. And yeah. um, because I think if you're giving uh, Aiden the ball on the block, like I still think he's not as dominant as. He will be in a couple of years of just taking his man one-on-one and getting great, great looks at the basket every time. He usually has to catch the ball quite deep in the paint, and uh, I think the Clippers are doing a good job of giving taking that away from uh, the the Suns. But the way we're talking about it, we're talking about it like the Clippers are up 3-2. So um, <laughs> Kawhi's not coming back. To be honest, like you mentioned, Marcus Morris was shooting the lights out um in the series and so was reggie jackson like we're bound to see one game where maybe one of them has a drop and honestly i I, i'm still not a believer in playoff p or pressure p or pfizer p or whatever you want to call it. whoa 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 yo relax man paul george goes 15 of 20 in an elimination game and drops 41 13 rebounds six assists three steals my man was all over the place he played 41 minutes raj my God, how can you talk trash no, about No, I'm not guy? saying he's not a good player. I just think that ultimately, like, he's kind of like Chris Middleton. Like, some games he shows up. No, 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 no. Let me retract that. Not that he's the same level. He's a better player than Chris Middleton. But he has his off nights like Chris Middleton. And when you get the good Chris Paul, you remember it. No, Chris Paul. When you get the, when you get the right... Um, Paul George, you remember it. When you get the the right Chris Middleton, you remember it. When you get the one that kind of misses some free throws, is not shooting well, is kind of like distant, afraid of the game, um, taking some questionable shots, you remember that too. And I'm saying you that applies to both Middleton and George. Man, I I do not agree with this whatsoever. You're, you're telling me Paul George Jesus always shows Christ. up in the playoffs. You could... I'm not saying that. I'm not saying he's, he's not comparable to Chris Middleton. No, I'm on, not saying man. quality of play. Paul George but I'm is actually inconsistency of play. Paul George has played 735 minutes this playoff run. They've played in two ga- like two deep, not two game sevens, but in a game seven series and a game six series, right? Devin Booker, the second most minutes played in this playoff run this year, has only played 605 minutes, 620 minutes mm-hmm. at most. Like, that's... Paul George has literally played three more games than the next <laughs> most guy in minutes played. You're allowed some inconsistency once in a while. You can miss from free throws from time to time. That's not that big of a deal. But but, but okay? again, I, I think ultimately, like, I really... I It's just, uh, like, until he proves me wrong, until he said it, until he shows up in really big, big pressure situations, which he has in the past, but I think the pressure is just a lot bigger now going into the finals, I'm always going to have my doubts. Hey, remember, this Paul George is uh, Paul George that faced LeBron James in the Eastern Conference Final when he was a lot younger, a lot more inexperienced. So he's been on this stage. He has to show me and I guess the rest of the NBA that, hey, he's built for this, he's made for this, and this is his team now. There's no Kawhi, number one, he can take a back seat. Like, 
it's on him. And he, he performed well in game uh, five. He performed well in the Nuggets. Uh, not Nuggets. Uh, performed well against the Dallas Mavericks and the Utah Jazz. Um, but we'll see. He, I still have my doubts. Yo, man. My goodness. I don't, I don't even know what to say. Paul, Paul George is having an incredible series, man. He's, like, as soon as Kawhi went down and he took the reins, I think this team has, I'm not going to say they're better, but their offense is really flowing. Like, Paul George as a number one with these kind of role players is definitely better than Paul George as a, a number two or a 1B, right? Like, I think he's the kind of guy who needs a lot of, like, the rhythm. He needs the a ball in his hands to, to create what he wants and to create for his teammates, right? Like, he's basically running point for this team now. And... Very LeBron-like, kind of in that way, where like he's the focal point and you know ball dominant and blah blah blah, except a significantly better shooter. But realistically, man, I, uh, yo, man, that's so. So, that's so who do you have right now? Like, let, let's get to it. You, you, you're a believer in Paul George. You're gonna take the Clippers in seven? No, I'm not. I still like the Suns. I think the Suns have a better like full team, but I'm not knocking Paul. I think Paul George is incredible. <sighs> You're fanboying over him because you rock his shoes. Yeah, I, do. I love the Paul George shoes. <laughs> yeah, the PGs are nice, man. And they're actually affordable. Yeah, yeah, I, see. I see you. I don't want to pay two bills for a pair I, of shoes. I, I see. You don't want to be that guy that when people see you roll up with your Paul George uh, twos or fours or whatever you're rocking these days that people are going to be like, oh, man, you play like a bum too? You're going to choke you and miss some free throws in one of the games oh, on the man. line, 10-11? Uh, I don't miss, I don't miss free throws mainly because we don't <laughs> take them. <laughs> but no, man, I I love I love Paul George's game. I love it, and I think he's I think he's stepping up exactly how he needs to. There will be no Paul George slander this offseason. I guarantee you. Even if he lays an absolute stinker in the next game and they lose, he, there there won't be any slander. Not okay. There <laughs> probably will be, but it won't be deserved. I don't know. We'll, it will not be we'll, deserved. We'll see. So, so you have the Suns in six or seven. Uh, I'm gonna go seven. I think yeah, they I think Kawhi doesn't show up uh, this series because uh, now Kawhi's not th- playing, th- man. I, I don't know why they keep doing this. Like he's questionable every game. I know. He's I think playing. everyone probably knows. I think even the Suns personnel probably has an idea about that. Um, but yeah, uh, I can I can see them winning in uh, seven games as well. I think they've they've shown them that they're a good team this playoff run, and especially beating the Lakers team. I think that that gave them a lot of confidence. So, uh, a PG stinker in yep. Game 7. How about that? No, no stinkers, man. No stinkers. It's going to be like a, a Terrence Mann stinker that buries <laughs> them. You know, something, something wild like that. Because you know Reggie Jackson's not going to have a stinker. The guy's shooting 50-40-90 no, in the playoffs. He's getting like a four-year, like $160 million contract coming up soon. <laughs> one sixty. <laughs> he's going to make $40 million nah. somehow. He's not even eligible for it, but he's going to yeah. make it. <laughs> Realistically, Reggie Jackson's going to get paid. He's going to go like somewhere four years for like $110 million, $120 million. Yo, it's gonna, he's going to stay with LA, man. Yeah. I'm telling you. He and Paul George, this is a good connection that Strong these two ball. have. And then Kawhi's, Kawhi's going to leave. Kawhi's going to go back to, to, to Houston, or not to Houston, to, to Texas somewhere, you know, and uh, Paul George will have his team. We'll Boom. See. How about that? Bring back Roy Hibbert and David <laughs> West. Woo. This team will be nice. 
All right. Any final thoughts here? You got like, uh, you said uh, Suns and yeah, Seven? Yeah, I said Suns and Seven, and then... Suns-Hawks finals? Yeah. Jesus You know what? Uh, we'll see the Valley and the Hawks, so... Whoever would have thought it. All right, I think that's all the time we have for this week. I want to thank everyone for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe on iTunes. Leave us those comments, only the good ones. Leave those five-star reviews, only five stars, nothing less. You can find us on all the major podcast platforms. I'm talking Spotify, Stitcher, Google. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Hoops Corner Pod. And until next time, peace. <laughs>